Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Dr. Cassandra LeClaire. Cassandra is a communications and relationships expert, motivator, author, and podcaster. With a PhD in communication studies, specializing in women's and gender studies, Cassandra is an expert on communicating feelings, setting boundaries, and improving connections. She enables high-achieving women to gain an understanding of their identity and communication practices to improve their relationships with friends and family in the workplace and beyond. Thanks so much for joining me today, Cassandra. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I am so excited to have you here. I, I So setting boundaries is one of my favorite things that most people don't do. Uh, so I just yeah. think it is so important. Me too. And you know, one of my it's one of my favorite things to teach about and talk about because I also have struggled with them so much. So I'm acutely aware of why people don't do them and why it's difficult for people. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's sort of like a work in progress sort of Mm -hmm. of thing. So, so let's talk about that. So, so talk to me about like, what are boundaries and why are they so important? One of my favorite ways to just basically describe boundaries is to say it's your yes and your no. So if you frame it that way, then you can have a better understanding too of how everybody's boundaries can be different. So it's your unique response to any given situation. What is okay for you versus what's not okay for you. And kind of where it falls apart for a lot of people is that we've never really thought about those things. So, so often we don't really know what our needs are across different relationships and we don't know what our boundaries are until they've been crossed. And so then we're in this position where we're trying to make sense of a situation that we don't like, but we're unclear or unsure what to do about it because we we don't know how to set the boundaries in the first place. So for me, it's really about thinking and getting clear on what your needs are, what your values are, what your goals are for different relationships so that you have a better understanding of how to even come at setting a boundary with somebody else. Boy, that that is, I never would have thought of it about, you know, your yeses and your nos. I like that because I do go talk to kids at different times and that's something that they can understand, you know, in terms of, okay, this is about you and what your likes are, what your needs are. And the reason I love to do that is because again, so many of us adults struggle with it and we weren't taught how to do it. We weren't, you know, these things weren't explained to us. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Okay. So then let's say I figure mine out. How, How do we communicate our needs to others? You know, this is really scary to a lot of people because we don't like to think about having needs 
is because we feel needy. And especially for women, a lot of times we're not in touch with our needs because we've spent so much time being nurturers or caregivers or people pleasers or what have you. So really being able to sit with yourself honestly and think about, oh, this is what I need, you know, in this relationship, be it, you know, socially or mentally or physically, intellectually, you know, there's so many different ways that we need boundaries. And then having that conversation with somebody and being able to state, this is what's okay for me, or this is what I need. It's very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So it's not as easy as what people think or what it sounds even, oh, I'm just got to set a boundary because there's so much wrapped up in that. You know, much of the reason that we don't set boundaries in addition to not knowing them is because we do worry about the perceptions of others, or perhaps somewhere along the line, somebody did give us negative feedback. So we don't want that to happen again, or we don't want conflict. So it really is an act of courage and vulnerability to even be able to articulate your boundaries to someone else. Yeah, no, I swear to God, you're, you're talking about this. And all I keep thinking about is um, some conversations that I've had just over the past couple months, where it was either a relationship that I was in or hearing from someone else telling me about a situation and, and this, this all just, boy, you, you know, it, it is um, very difficult to feel vulnerable, to put yourself in a, in a vulnerable mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. And, and so often too, a lot of times when we realize what boundaries we need, we are already in relationship patterns with other people. So yeah. getting to have those conversations without somebody else thinking it's a personal attack on them or helping them understand why you need the change or the shift that that can open up a lot for people too. And again, so often we fail to set those boundaries because we don't want to have that discomfort. But yeah. if we don't, then we're keeping ourselves in our own discomfort. We're keeping ourselves in this space where we're maybe resentful or fr- frustrated, or we want better boundaries. And so it's this really this place of kind of asking yourself almost, okay, I might not want the discomfort that comes with the conversation, but how much energy am I expending otherwise? And how much am I going back to this situation because I'm not setting boundaries? And, you know, the way I talk to people about that too, is that's harmful to you. That is self-harm when you're energetically, you know, in that space where you're constantly thinking about it or ruminating about it or becoming frustrated. So really, you know, recognizing that sometimes that uncomfortable conversation is what needs to happen to be a catalyst for change and growth. Yeah, boy. And let's put this into um, the workplace. So what steps can people take to, to like create a healthier or create healthier work relationships? And this is something that's really exploded over the last few years as people tried to figure out work-life balance when everybody was working from home or when we all felt, you know, with the invention of us constantly checking our email on cell phones all the time, <laughs> you know, that idea, the, the lines have really been blurred, right? Even in terms of our availability. So thinking about, okay, what is your company culture? What does that look like? What is really needed of you and what is necessary of you? And so often we get into these traps or these patterns where we think we have to be fully accessible all the time and we create that culture for ourselves. So really when I work with um, organizations, it's talking to everyone and saying, okay, 
what are the the regular norms if you will in terms of responding to emails even you know we're not all on call saving lives here so what is really necessary what are the boundaries that you can set if any and for a lot of people it is as simple as okay i'm going to take email off my phone and i'm not going to check it in the nights and the weekends now not everybody can do that but that's a huge boundary that a lot of us just don't even start with um, other times, you know, it might be thinking about the ways that you need to work. When I would go to work, um, you know, people would pop into my office all the time and I would want to have conversations with them, but I would end the day feeling like, all right, I was at work all day, but I'm not sure what I got done. <laughs> so I really had to think about better boundaries for myself and understanding, you know, okay, if my door is shut, you know, do I need to put a note on my door saying, you know, I'm in a meeting or don't interrupt or what have you really kind of being your own gatekeeper. And, and that's, of course, dependent on the company culture and what's accessible to you. But then also that's where those conversations come in. You know, if it's preventing you from doing your work, can you talk to a boss about, all right, this is, I work best in this way or in this time frame, and I really do need uninterrupted time. So thinking about your meeting schedule, even how can you adjust your schedule? Are there are there spaces for flexibility for you so that your best brain power isn't being eaten up by, you know, random meetings or checking your email or what have you. So thinking about kind of the internal boundaries you can set first, because if you're constantly just thinking about all the ways you want to change your company and the company culture that can feel defeating and powerless. So first starting with the spaces where what can I control right now? How can I make this better for myself? And then continuing to open up that conversation. And this is where it is so important for managers to start modeling these things from the top down as well. You know, um, we don't yeah. need to be in that space anymore where, you know, it's a competition to see who can leave the last, you know, be the pers last person to leave or who can, <laughs> you know, like the, what is that doing? That's not doing anyone any good. So really even thinking about how can you create that if you're a manager or a leader, how can you create a better space for your employees to set their own boundaries? Yeah, I, I love that about being able to have the conversation and being able to say, this is how I work best. Mm -hmm. Right? Because the goal is really about being able to accomplish something. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. This is sort of what drives me a little crazy about the, these companies that for two years were effectively working remote. And then the minute things started clearing up, it, it was, okay, we all have to be back in the office. Okay. Why mm -hmm. do we really all have to be back in the office or should we be having a conversation with each individual about what works best for them? Right. And it's so interesting too, if people are willing to look at it that way, because what you can find is that over the last two years, many employees really did understand how they work better. When they had some more control over their schedule, people were able to see, oh, okay, this is when my brain is at its peak, or this is when I feel more creative. And so having some of that flexibility without a lot of the distractions, I know there are distractions working from home and remotely, sure. But there are different distractions, distractions working in person. And yeah. so for some people, that really makes a big difference. Other people thrive on the interaction of being in the office. So like right. you said, opening that conversation and helping, helping you know, your team leaders and managers understand that having that conversation isn't giving people all this freedom. It's allowing them 
to work in a way that is going to help them be more productive. It's allowing them to work in a way that makes them feel like they're accomplishing something, which makes them more motivated. You know, so it's it's not a bad thing in terms of outcome. Right. You know? Oh my gosh. Well, and, and I think part of the problem is that um, we have learned to equate pay with time. Mm, yes. Instead of equating pay with results. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. So I, I need you working eight hours and I need to know you're working eight hours. Well, you know what? You don't need me working eight hours. You need me getting the job done. If right. It takes me two. Great. If it takes me 15, that's on me. But that it just isn't. It, we have this very strange way of looking at work and what is what we value. And I think that that's something that, you know, there just has to be more shifts happening with that. And that's why you see so many different people looking at other alternatives because they're tired of, of trading their time for money um, when perhaps they could get the job done more quickly or move on to other things, or there might be something where they are really efficient at it. So why wouldn't you let them be efficient at that and then move on to the next project or task? Right, right. Uh, we just, we keep moving the goal that this is always my yeah. thing. The goalposts keep moving to, you know, do it my way, or I need to see you. I, I had a boss once who implemented, I was in sales, outside sales, and we had to be in the office at four o'clock on Friday. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, my brain is not helping anyone at four o'clock on a Friday. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. And what am I doing? If I'm not out Mm-hmm. meeting with people and talking to what why why am I in the office what am I doing because otherwise you think I'm off I don't know laying by the pool all afternoon if if you don't see me at four o'clock in the it just just you know is is uh really what he was saying is I don't trust that you're out there doing your job yeah, yeah. right mm-hmm. yeah and I think that that's something too where that doesn't increase anybody's motivation or productivity <laughs> You know, it can have just the exact opposite effect. And that's why, you know, the term quiet quitting, of course, is everywhere right now. But that's essentially a lot of that is, okay, I'm doing so much work and I don't feel valued for what I'm doing. So exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. But but so but isn't that a personal boundary as well? Right. It is. I mean, it's been interesting for me to watch this conversation because, you know, you can read both sides of it, depending on who, who you're talking to. And, and so much of it is people feel like they've been giving, giving, giving for workplaces in that is above their job description or, you know, above their pay grade or what have you. And they feel that they need to do that because that's part of the company culture. And again, you know, with vulnerability and things feeling scary, it can be scary to people to think, okay, well, that's not my job description, or I am not contracted for those hours, or this is really what's necessary of me because you, you know, we're in this culture where, but I have to do more so I can move up the ladder or maybe get a raise. And especially when it's tied up with people's money, you know, we're really hesitant and fearful to mess with that because most people I know are working because they need to, not just because they enjoy it. And so really thinking about, what can you do for yourself so that you are fulfilling the functions of your job, but not going above and beyond. And to me, that's not quiet quitting that's doing your job. So some of this is the expectation of the companies, just because, you know, I like to think about teachers and stuff in this role, just because there is all of this work that needs to be done 
doesn't mean it's somebody's obligation to continually do it in the nights and the weekends. If you're not providing them the resources or the compensation to get their job done in the time, you know, in the working hours, why is there an expectation then that they are going to go above and beyond? That's, that's not a person problem. That's a company issue. Yeah. Right. Well, because unfortunately for the longest time, that's how it was done. So. Right. We, and we've all bought into that too. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think some mm-hmm. of this, you know, with the pandemic too, it was just an awakening for a lot of people in many different ways. You know, people realized there were different ways they could make money. People realized that there were different ways that they could work. And yeah. people started to also see what all the working in was doing to them and where did they have other spaces that they needed to maybe tap into instead of um, only focusing on their successes at work. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's such a good point. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about, and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Hi, my name is Sara, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Now I want to move to everybody's favorite word, no. (laughs) (laughs) And I would love to understand why it is so hard for people to say no. What are your thoughts? I think we have many conditioned responses to what, as to what we think is going to happen if we tell somebody no. Um, Many of us were raised to be people pleasers or to be accommodating Uh, Again, especially women usually have this more ingrained in them societally. So thinking again about so often we're focused on the perceptions of other people. And really what this is, is we have to remind ourselves that it is not our jobs to manage anyone else's feelings. It is our job to take care of our own needs and preferences and protect our own self. So, so often when we say no, it's, yeah, we don't want to cause a conflict. We don't want somebody to be upset with us. We're worried we're going to come across as rude or that we're not a team player. Mm-hmm. And so we get in our own head and then prevent ourselves from saying no. And oftentimes then that's when we're overextending ourselves or we're taking on things that, you know, leave us burnt out or frustrated or resentful. And we want to be mad at other people. We want to be mad at the system, but it's really learning in what spaces can you reclaim some of that power by stating no. Ah, yeah. So this is, this just goes back to, um, it's really on us. We put ourselves in those situations. It's not the other, the other person asked, 
right? They, they didn't tell us we had to. They asked. And it's up to us to be able to say no, understanding that we have reasons and our reasons are valid. Yeah. And so, and this is hard at work, right? You know, so a boss yeah. is coming to you and saying, hey, I need this by Friday. And so most people aren't just going to say no, <laughs> you know, again, most people I know need those jobs. So they're not just out there being like, no, I don't feel like that. <laughs> so one of my favorite ways to handle some of these things at work is to say, okay, what one of my other projects would you like me to not work on so that I can accomplish this for you? Or, yeah. okay, my plate is full right now. If I take on this, it's going to impact my deadlines in these other areas. Which one is it okay for me to not meet? And really saying, you know, if, because sometimes, you know, when it's an ask, there isn't a space there. They are, they really are telling you, even though they're framing it as an ask. <laughs> so if you're in that position, you know, and you don't feel you can say no, it, it kind of is semantics really like, what can you say then that is framing it in a way like, okay, yep. You have this request. You want me to add this work. However, I have to take something away for that request to happen. And if you put it back on the people, a lot of times they don't like it. First of all, just to warn people, you know, it's, it's not an uncomfortable or it's not a comfortable conversation always, but it does help people understand what they're asking. And so often when people ask us to do things, if we put it that way, or if we do say no, or if we say, hey, but here's what this is going to do to all these other areas, they haven't thought about that no. because those, those aren't their things. So sometimes it is a matter of being transparent with people about what it's going to look like for you if you said yes. Yeah. And we have to, I'm so glad that you said that because we have to realize that they don't know what we have on our plate, even if they're the ones who are if they're the only person giving us stuff mm -hmm. on our plate. And, but but I, this is what I hear from people. Well, he knows I have all this work to do. No, not really. He's really not paying attention to that. Right. Just handing it out. He's not really stopping and going, wow, they must have a whole lot on their plate. So mm -hmm. asking for the assist it is the right thing to do because you don't want to assume you know which takes priority. Right, exactly. And so often too, when people are giving us tasks, they, they don't, they might not realize that they're, they're one person giving us tasks, you know, there are multiple <laughs> other people. So really, you know, again, being transparent about it, like, awesome, like, would love to help you. However, here are the other things that are stacking up before you does what you're asking me override any of these other things. And right. sometimes their answer is going to be, oh, no, I didn't realize that you had that. Or actually, this is more pressing than X, Y, and Z. So here, can you reprioritize? Instead of immediately saying, yes, okay. And then leaving yourself to figure it out and being frustrated and resentful. Right, 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 right. And let's shift this over to worrying about the perception of others, because that's also something that we've been dealing with in this conversation and and it feels like well we need to stop but but how do we let go of that concern I think some of it is we really have to be honest with ourselves about why we're placing the importance on it and at work you know again we want to make it oh I don't want to lose my job well you know is that real 
are you going to lose your job because you asked your boss, like if they could shift some deadlines or because you have to say no to a project in some cases, perhaps, but across the board, generally, most likely not. Right. So is it that you're worried you're going to be perceived as less than, is it that you're worried that, you know, are you going to be seen as somebody who's not willing to go the extra mile? So asking yourself kind of what that feeling is, is it that you genuinely don't want to disappoint people? And, and so for a lot of us, this isn't necessarily about the instance that's in front of us. It's about all of those other experiences that we've had, you know, be it growing up, be it in other jobs with friends or whomever, where we have felt like we have disappointed somebody or where we have felt like we were looked down upon. And so we kind of have to really reconcile that for ourselves and then be okay with the fact that sometimes people are going to be disappointed in you. And that's not a reflection of you being a bad person. It's a reflection of them not liking your choice. But if your choice was what was necessary and good to protect yourself, your mental health, what have you, then their feelings about your choice really are kind of irrelevant. Oh my God. I love that. One of my favorite things to say is, you you know, we don't change our boundary for somebody else's reaction because their reaction to your boundary, that those are their feelings and they're going to have feelings about it. So just accept that and know that, but then they get to manage those feelings. It's really not our jobs to go around and make everybody else. Okay. At the expense of ourselves being okay. Right. Right. Nothing good comes from that. Mm -mm. No. And then we do just get more burnt out and frustrated and resentful. And, And then that's not healthy for anyone either. No. And then that could really just explode. And then, you know, good for us. We've just made it horribly bad. Um, but speaking of all of this, this feels to me like, you know, we said earlier that um, this is how things have been and we've gotten used to them and we're basically sanctioning, you know, th- these various things that aren't really serving us. How would you suggest, how can someone like uncover what those behavior patterns are that are really holding them back? So, you know, these things that we've been talking about that really aren't serving them, is it having that intern, you know, that conversation with themselves? How, How do they figure out they're doing it? I'm a big fan of data. I mean, I'm a researcher, academic at heart. So I, um, I think you know, when I tell people to journal, I don't mean you have to go have some fancy journal with all these prompts and you're pouring out your deepest, darkest secrets, how I journal, which you do need to do that sometimes. And I encourage everyone to do that. But how I journal also is I'll pick up my phone and leave a note in there. And if there's something that's bothering me, or if there's a situation that's come up and really kind of using your day-to-day life as data, let's say even for five days, maybe you go to work Monday through Friday. So for one week, you're going to kind of keep track of, oh, I felt frustrated there, felt resentful here, or this day went really well, or I got a new project added to my plate and that, you know, made me feel overwhelmed, whatever it is. And you're not really analyzing it. You're not thinking about your feelings behind it. At this point, you're just trying to get the data. So then at the end of those five days or whatever it is, being able to look and see if there are any patterns there that you can uncover for yourself. 
oh, okay, I get frustrated with this person every single day, or, oh, I actually don't like it when this happens every afternoon or whatever it is that you might see in your own patterns. Right. And I'm, again, I'm not saying take minute by minute. It's just more of what comes up for you. Right. And what that can do is it can help us to understand then, okay, is, is your frustration or feelings, is it about a person? Is it about an event? Is it about a certain scenario? Is it a time of day? You know, because for some of us, it it might be any one of those things or all of them. So really to understand your patterns, first starting with some of that self-reflection, or especially if you feel burnt out or overwhelmed, okay, why, why might this be? Am I taking on too much? And where are there areas I can say no to? Or what does this really look like for me? And I think the thing that I, I want to make sure people understand with that is you're not doing this so you can bring shame to yourself. I don't want anyone to do that. Not so you can be like, oh my gosh, I'm so terrible, or I always do this, or I snap at this person. Okay, that's helpful information if that's true for you. But instead of using that to spiral into some shame cycle, looking at that as, okay, this is what happens to me, or this is how I felt. So what are some steps that I can take to kind of safeguard myself from having that feeling? What are some steps I can take to change that pattern going forward? And at first it can feel difficult and icky, or it can feel a little helpless. But once you start to really look at it in that way, that's where I feel like that personal power comes in. Oh, okay. From some small tweaks or from small changes, I can see a difference for myself. I say, I love that. That is really interesting because it, we're so in it and we're so used to it that we don't notice when patterns of behavior have cropped up, but being able to do that and then go back and look at it and go, Oh, okay. Well, here's some similarities. Mm -hmm. Wow. Oh, so I, I have to say that this is so valuable. Cassandra, I am so grateful that we had this conversation. I know for me, um, and, and one of the things I, I want to say about this, so like I'm a solopreneur, but I sit on boards mm-hmm. and, you know, have to interact with people in other work environments where this is just as important. It really has to do with all of our relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. It's really, it's really, really valuable. I, I think um, one of the takeaways that I have is we have, it's sort of liberating. We have the power to do something about this when we realize this is ours, right? Mm -hmm. We have the control over this. I think it feels better, you know, in terms of we can vilify other people, we can get frustrated. And again, I'm not excusing everyone else's behaviors. There are definitely times where people are, you know, not being their kindest self. And, um, you know, but really thinking about if you can't change anyone else, you can only change your behaviors or you can change your reactions to situations. And so really thinking about, okay. So for me, a lot of this, even the journaling, or I keep audio notes in my phone because, you know, sometimes I'm not, not even buy a piece of paper or what have you. So I'll just do a little audio note in thinking about, all right, if this is something that's bothering me, or if this is something that's come up, 
again, what is it? Is it about this person? And is it really about the person or is it how they're responding to me and how that makes me feel? Is it really about this situation or is it about because I've had this situation come up over and over and it frustrates me? And so using yourself again as kind of that data point and understanding you are unique. So it doesn't necessarily matter if somebody else isn't stressed out by the thing you're stressed out by. Cause we do that too. You know, we look around and we think, oh, but other people are handling this or they have a really busy schedule or they have this. It doesn't matter. They aren't you. Yeah. Right. Right. Stop worrying about them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and stop taking responsibility for other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. That that's huge. Wow. This is really great. Thank you tremendously. I I can't begin to tell you. And and so will you let the listeners know, you know, how they can find you, whatever you've got going on, please? Sure. Absolutely. Well, since we've been talking about saying no, I do have a free guide that people can download and it's 30 ways to say no without guilt. And you- <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Cause, and again, I did this cause I need that for myself and saying just straight up. No, doesn't always feel comfortable. Yeah. So really sometimes you have to have a, a, a toolbox at the ready of ways that you can navigate these things. Yeah. So you can go ahead and grab that free download at CassandraLeClaire.com forward slash guide. And otherwise, I'd love to for people to connect with me on social media. Um, I love to work with individuals and groups and do just different trainings on a lot of the things that we talked about today, because I do think that not only does this change people's professional lives, the, the bleed over into your personal lives and the ways that people then feel differently, even about themselves. It's really beautiful for me to get to see how that can unfold for people. So I just encourage people start small and work on these things for yourself in a way that feels safe to you. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I just love it. Thank you so much. And listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. out.